Let's sing together. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God's so love, for God's so love, the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever. is waiting there with open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever.
seated. Good morning. Welcome. We are glad you're here with us to worship the Lord. I just want to thank you for your prayers during the time of the staff to gathering in prayer time and retreat. Uh, we had a, a, a busy time, uh, a good time, uh, making sure that we were listening to the Lord in the direction of our church. And your prayers were felt, and we appreciate them. I did want to uh, bring to your attention today, we are opening back up to have Sunday school classes. If you're not involved or you don't have a class, see, see me, see Brother Fred between the services. We'll try to help you find somebody. Usually Derek's here to do that, and he, he loves doing it. Uh, but uh, I'll be glad to help you find a place where you can study in a small group. Also, if you're um, a senior in high school or you're in college, we have some scholarships, and I don't have very many applications. If you'll see me or come by the office by Monday or Tuesday, you've got a couple of days left to get them in by Monday. So please consider that. You sounded so good this morning. It feels so good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's continue worship. You know, this next song, and ask the question, you know, who... Do you say that I am to be chosen from the highest king of all kings? And the answer is that he has chosen us. We are saved from, from, from the Christ who died for our sins. We are freed from that. We are chosen and we have a place in the Father's house. So let us rejoice in that and sing with that as well. Let's stand as we sing. Who am I that the highest would dwell? I was lost, but he is love. Is love. The sun sets free, the sun sets free. Who oh, is free in me? I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed his grace. While I was a slave to Jesus died. Yes, he did. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free.
If you have your copy of God's Word with you, please turn with me to Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a copy, it should be on the screen. Ephesians 1, 1 through 4. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Let's pray. How awesome it is, Lord, that you, you have a plan. You planned for our birth. You planned for our lives. And you have planned for our eternity. We thank you, Lord. We thank you 
because you care and love us and provided a way for us. As we sing praises and, and read your word and our pastor shares the, the words that the Holy Spirit lays on his heart, guide us, Lord. Guide us to keep our eyes on you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.
I'm going to have to break every Baptist rule one of these days and just cut loose dancing over here. That's all there is to it. It's getting gooder and gooder, both of our services. My goodness. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians. Thank you, uh, Tony, for reading that earlier. My preaching style, as you know, because you've been here for so long, I don't jump from place to place to place finding sweet text to preach from. I, I, God calls me into a passage, and we get in there, and we just live there, and we see what is it that God is wanting us to know and why it is He's led us to that part. And we just finished the, the series that we've been on about John the Baptist, a uh, great sermon. And for months now, in my devotional time, uh, and in times even with our, our staff together, we've been worshiping out of Ephesians chapter 1, these first 14 verses. Uh, this is a, a, a powerhouse, it's a treasure trove to understand what happens to us once we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we're, uh, after we spent some time here, and even just last week I had uh, our, all of our, our ministers and our sports staff get together and just read these 14 verses. And I'm going to ask you to do this too. Ask yourself this question. What is true about me because I am in Christ? What is true about me according to the Scriptures now that I have come to faith in Jesus Christ and He's my Lord and my Savior? What, what kind of changes have happened? What transformations are in process? And I assure you, this is a treasure trove. It'll bless your heart if you let it. And so I'm asking you to move along with us in this series, not to be a spectator, but be a participator. And the way you do that is you get into this Word and you live it along with us. Now, I, I, it's always important to have background. Paul was writing to a church that he had founded in the city of Ephesus. And we need to know just a little bit about that to know why these words are so incredibly important. Uh, Ephesus was the ancient metropolis of that day. Other than Rome, it was the center of everything significant that happened. Uh, it, was, it was like New York City. It was like uh, Atlanta. It was a big, booming metropolis. And that's where you go to find success. That's where you go to start your business. That's where the hub of everything that is anything is located. And that's where it was in ancient Ephesus. It was the center of trade. All the trade routes, the major trade routes, came through Ephesus. And because of that, it was the center of banking, the center, of, uh, center for money. And a lot of banking practices we do today were actually practiced in ancient Ephesus right there. It was the center for knowledge, the huge Celsus Library, the third largest library in the known world at that time was located in Ephesus. Uh, 12,000 volumes of scrolls, which is huge by any stretch of the imagination for that day. It was the center of research, specifically medical research. They learned and practiced surgery. Yes, surgery there at Ephesus. And testing out remedies that would work for various illnesses. It was a center for medical knowledge. It was a, the religious center for that known world. They had, of course, Caesar, Caesar worship. Uh, any place that had anything to do with Rome worshiped Caesar. But it was the center also for the worship of Diana 
or, or Artemis. And it, it, uh, it's kind of different. The Greek name is Artemis and the, the Roman name uh, was Diana, but they're, they're identical. They're, they're, they're the same. But the huge temple for Artemis was built there. Ruins, you can still see some even today. It was the center of all of the arts. The huge theater at Ephesus, which you, you can definitely visit that today uh, and, and stand there, it was huge by any stretch of the imagination. It could seat 25,000 people. And this was the place, if you had a new thought, if you were a philosopher or whatever, this is where you want to come and speak. If you were a, a politician, this is where you wanted to come and speak. Ephesus. It was the center of everything. They knew they knew no need. They were affluent. They were wealthy. They were on the cutting edge that everything had happened. And in this metropolis, this is where Paul was led to start this church. And this was, became a powerful, powerful church. It, it became one of the centers for Christianity. Even though it was nestled right in the middle of paganism at its height. And you know what? Within 50 years of this church being planted, the temple of Artemis had fallen into such disrepair that it was crumbling and falling apart. And stones were taken from the temple of Artemis to build the churches in the area. The influence of Christianity had that kind of power. The primary philosophy, if you please, for the Ephesians, we would call it today as pragmatism. What works? What, what practically works? And, and it, it didn't, didn't matter. It crossed all theological lines, all racial lines, whatever. The silversmith trade was one of the biggest trades there because they would make idols and they would make religious artifacts to be sold to all of those who were visiting. And the silversmith would have no difficulty forming uh, uh, an idol for Artemis or Diana or uh, a silver chalice for the church or for a Buddha. I mean, he, no problem. It's pragmatically, that's how I make my money. So it doesn't matter to me who you worship or what your idol is. Just come on here and I'll, I'll provide for you. And so, because pragmatism, what was practical, what works, was at the center of everything that happened in Ephesus. Paul comes and he says, look, I'm introducing to you the gospel of Jesus Christ because it practically transforms lives. You can see the evidence, the difference in people's lives when they come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so he's offering a very pragmatic, a very practical solution to the problems that men and women were facing. And this in Ephesus. And so with that as background, let's, let's reread just a couple of these verses. And then we're going to just get a run and start today. And we're going to have to stop, else we're going to be here, you know, late this night. <laughs> we're going to get a running start and, and catch the first couple of these incredible blessings that are ours because we're in Christ. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Will you do me a favor? Will you underline those three words, in Christ Jesus? I'll tell you why. He starts by putting this phrase out here, because this is the principle that he is going to build this whole uh, uh, presentation on. 
And we're going to get into what that means in just a few moments. But I want you to see in the very opening, he, he says, the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. We're going to see what that means. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, is typical salutation. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, now start right here, listening very carefully, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. See, there's that phrase again. Just as He chose us in Him, there's that phrase again, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, I, just, I want to thank you for the phenomenal way that you have just led Paul many years ago to reach into his own experience, his own vocabulary, his own uh, self-expression. And you drew out those, those words and those things and those truths for him to share in his preaching and in his teaching and in his writing. And here it is now for us, the infallible and errant Word of God. And that's all of you, Holy Spirit. It's all of you. And so because you are the ultimate author of these words, we ask you to guide us into what they mean for our lives today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You know how it is. We have questions that come out of the text, so let's follow some of those questions. First, one, first question is, how is it that God has blessed us? It says here that, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Did you know that you are phenomenally rich? Yeah, I hear you right now. I say, yeah, you ain't seen my checking account. <laughs> but I want to tell you two things. First of all, I want to tell you that according to the world's standards, the poorest among us are fabulously wealthy. I want you to sit on that a moment. According to world standards, the poorest among us is fabulously wealthy. So let's never take living in this great country that we have and all the opportunities we have for granted. But secondly, not every treasure that you have is something that you can cash in at the bank. You have some treasures that are worth more to you than silver and gold. The love of your spouse, the love of your children, uh, the love for country, so many things that you have that, that you can't put a price tag on, but they are of incredible worth and value. Your greatest riches, listen to me, your greatest riches have nothing to do with your net worth. Your greatest riches are immaterial, not material. Your greatest riches are spiritual. But now that doesn't make them any less real. See, that's the problem that we run into sometimes. Oh, well, if something is spiritual, it's not really real. We can't use it here. Paul says, no, this is practical. This changes lives. This is real stuff. It's spiritual, but it transforms practically in the world in which we live. So these are, are blessings for us. And let me tell you how this happened. This happened because Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, made a will. He made a will. You know, I, I hope you all have wills. I hope you've all, all uh, taken the time to do that, that you've got it registered and it's up to date and that you've remembered the church in the will. Okay, I just thought I'd put that in. Tony's going to get to it eventually anyhow. So, but 
is so important to have a will. Jesus wrote a will. A will for himself. And he named you in it. Yeah. He named you in the will. And then for a will to be enforced, the person who writes that will has to die. So he went to the cross and died so that will could then come into play in my life, in yours. And then he rose from the dead to come back as our lawyer, our eternal uh, uh, advocate, to where he could see to it that the will was carried out just the way he wrote it. What has he left you in the will? That's what Paul wants to start talking about. That we are blessed with treasures beyond putting a dollar figure on them, and that blessing is ours because we are in Christ. That takes me to the second point. What does it mean when we are in Christ? This is a, a, a concept that's taught elsewhere and even in the Old Testament. But Paul puts a fine tune on it and puts words to it. Here's the reality. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you asked Jesus to come into your heart. Is that right? Am I right about that? Most of us, that was part of the prayer that we prayed. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Cleanse me, forgive me, be my Lord, be my Savior. I confess my sins to you. All of those things. You asked Jesus to come into your heart. He did that. Okay? According to the promise of his word, he did that. But then he did something you were not as much aware of. He then immersed you into himself. It is right for you to say, I've asked Jesus into my heart. Yes, it is. But it is also right to say that Jesus Christ has brought me into his life. I am in him. It's as if when we were saved, Jesus said, come around here behind me. See that zipper on my back? Unzip me right down there. Slip your feet in my feet. Slip your arms in my arms. Let me zip you up from behind. You are, are in me. And when the Father comes looking for you, who's he going to see? He's going to see me. He's going to see my righteousness. He's going to see my godliness. He's going to see the intimacy that I have with him. And all of that is yours. Because you're in me. In Christ. Now, I challenge you to do something. One of my Bibles, is, it's just on the shelf, I didn't bring it with me today. But one of my Bibles, I've gone through this whole book and underlined all of those phrases. In Christ Jesus, in Him, through Him, by Him, because of Him. You'll exhaust yourself there. And especially, especially in these first three chapters. Because in these first three chapters, Paul is wanting us to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. And then the last three chapters, he says, now because of who you are, here's how you live. Here's how you practically live it out. And so this is a rich treasure trove we're going to dig into. This being in Christ is the key to understand. I am constantly amazed that I'm in Christ. You know, when you feel your weaknesses, when you stumble and fall, when you knew better, and you did it anyway, and you feel spiritually rotten. Anybody else here other than me feel that from time to time? Okay. 
And you know that in your own merit and in your own person, if God judged you for how good you're living out His expectations, we would all fail. Miserably fail. So we have to be reminded that in Jesus Christ, we are holy and we're blameless and we're perfect before the Father in love. And that's not just something to salve our conscience, it's real. And it's not a license to live any way you want to. We'll get to that a little later. But being in Christ, I know I can kneel before the Father, and Father, I confess to you, I messed up, I blew it again. I knew better, and I did it anyway. God, you know I'm just dust, and I'm... I'm, I'm, I know I have no power in and of my own self, and I was not relying on you. I was relying on myself. I confess this to you, Lord. I, I claim your forgiveness, and I look up to heaven, and God looks down at me, and he sees the face of his child. Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, because I'm in him. I'm in Christ. And he's already paid for that failure. Are you with me? You can get happy with me anytime you want to. That'll be all right. Now, I want to say one other thing about this, and then I want to start digging into some of these goodies. Uh, it's interesting to me also that the concept of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is taught throughout the Bible. But you see it sometimes in places that, you, that, that it surprises you just a little bit. As we read through this, you want to look at what is attributed to God the Father, what's attributed to God the Son, what's attributed to God the Holy Spirit. And what you're going to find is this, that, that we are chosen by the Father, we're redeemed by the Son, and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And a whole lot more, but that's just a couple of things to get you started. So as you ask yourself the question, what is true about me because I am in Christ, as you read these verses, ask what God the Father has done for you. Ask what Christ the Son has done for you. Ask what Holy Spirit has done for you. And one of the chief things he's done, let's, let's, let's get down to the goodies right here. It says right here in verse 4, it's the first of all of these great treasures that we're going to look at. This is a, the first... Uh, 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 Hope Diamond we're going to pick up and look at and turn it around in our hand for a moment. This is the first big gold nugget that we're going to weigh out and see what it means. Look at verse 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Chosen. Chosen. Listen to me. Listen to these three words. I am chosen. Listen to me again. I am chosen. Will you say those with me? I am chosen. Turn to somebody about, around you and look at them in the eyeball and say, I am chosen. Do that. I am chosen. Now let me tell you something. Chosen is good stuff. I, I like chosen. Every time I see this word, my mind goes back to elementary school and recess and kickball. Can I tell you who was chosen first? <laughs> Not me. 
And the greatest fear on the playground is to be chosen last. Yeah, you got it. Because they ain't chosen at all. They're just the garbage that has to go along for the rest, you know. It, It feels so good to be chosen. It feels so good to be chosen by Lord God Almighty. This word says, He has chosen you. He didn't have to. He's chosen you, but He didn't have to. It was a voluntary act of His will. He has chosen you. We're going to get a little further in this, and we're going to look at the, at the concept of adoption, but I want to jump there for just a moment myself. I have the privilege of having, I have been adopted. My brother and sister have both been adopted. And one of the things that, that adopted kids need to know, it's so easy for them to go over here and say, I've been rejected and, and, and left by my biological parents. Yes, but look who chose you. Your adoptive parents chose you. They didn't have to. You are not their responsibility. They didn't have to choose you. They could have chosen nobody at all. Or they could have chosen the kid next to you. But they chose you. They chose you. That's something every adoptive kid we have to hold on to. It salves the wounds of the, of the, of the, the birth parents abandoning us because God sent somebody along who would choose us. I don't know about you, but I was not the first one on anybody's list to be chosen. But I was top on God's list. We are chosen. Now look at this. We are chosen. He he chose us. What's those next three words? He has chose us in him in Christ Jesus. Now this is key. We're going to talk about it a little bit this week. We're going to talk about it some more next week. But we are chosen by a method, by a process, by a means. Here's how the chosen happens. You're chosen in Christ. You're chosen in Christ. Let me, let me tell you what I consider a faulty doctrine. I have a lot of wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ that I love dearly that would disagree with me here. I understand that. But let me tell you where I stand. I do not believe that God went about through mankind saying, I choose you, I damn you. I choose you, I damn you. I choose you, I damn you. Choose you, damn you. I do not believe that. I do not believe that is taught in Scripture. Many people who do look at this passage right here as as proof. God has chosen some and, and, and not others. I suggest to you that what you'll learn is that God chose a process. He chose a means. He chose a method from before the foundation of the world that He could provide salvation for mankind. And that those who receive Him by faith give evidence that they are chosen. And that they are of the elect. But that's the difference. See, I, I think one of the things, one of the errors we make when it comes to the Word of God is we like to get on one side of the pendulum swing or the other. Rather than finding the balance that the Scriptures often teach.
And I have brothers that are way over here on this one side that, oh, the sovereignty of God, He chooses who will and who won't, and the rest are just lost and damned, and I have to get over it. And way over here on the other side, I've got brothers and sisters that say, it's all about the free will of man, and, and we make a choice as to whether or not we're going to be eternally lost or damned. It's all about us. And I stand with my Bible in hand, and I look to the left and look to the right, and I say, boys and girls, they're both right here. They're both right here in the Word. How do we reach out to this brother and this brother and say, let's get together and see what we cherish both are written here in the Word, and they're not mutually exclusive. The sovereignty of God is not overruled by the free will of man. Now, I'm getting a little doctrinally deep for some of you, but others, it's up an alley that you've often chased. But the chosenness, we were chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit met together. And in their foreknowledge, they knew when they created mankind, mankind would rebel and sin. In their foreknowledge, they knew that that sin and separation would be eternal death and damnation. So in their wonderful omniscience, they chose a plan, a method, a process by which the Son of God would enter into creation itself would become part of creation, would live a perfect sinless life, would die on the cross to take upon the sins of the whole world and rise again for eternal life. And that in Him, in that method, in that plan, souls could be saved and be reconciled with God the Father. You and I, who've received Christ into our heart, we are among the chosen because we have chosen to accept His chosen plan. And we're chosen in Him from before the foundation of the world. That, look at that word, that, you see the word that right there? That, that means in order that or with the results that. Here's the purpose. Did you know there's a purpose in God choosing you? When you were on the playground, if you were chosen first, it was because maybe you were the fastest. Or you chose the second maybe because you could kick the ball the farthest. Or maybe you chose chosen because you could throw the ball the hardest. But you were chosen for a purpose. And God chooses for a purpose. He's got a purpose in choosing you. Ask yourself this question, God, what was your purpose in choosing me? What was your purpose in choosing me? Well, he gives you a little glimpse into that right here. He chose you that, in order that, with the results that, you would be holy and without blame before Him. That's that's, that's the next question. What does it mean? What is the purpose of being chosen in Christ? He has a purpose. What does it mean to be made holy? Well, it doesn't mean that you're made to where you never sin. And you're on display for all of the poor, lost, filthy sinners to look at and see what righteousness looks like. That's not what it means. We can't do that. What does it mean to be holy? The, the 
in all of these wonderful words, the word itself gives us a clue. Hagias means to be set apart. To be set apart for the special purpose. To be set apart for the good pleasure of the one who's setting it apart. But when, when you're eating your meal and you really don't like something, let's call it whatever, call it Brussels sprouts, you set them aside on your plate over there to one side. Because as soon as your wife's not looking, you're going to throw them in the trash. So you set them apart. More often than not, you set apart those things you really, really like. You set apart those things that you really like because that gives you special pleasure. At every big occasion that my grandmother had, one of the things that she had on the table was fruit cocktail. You remember fruit cocktail? Had all different little pieces of fruit in it. Well, I'd get my bowl, and I'd look in my bowl right away because I was looking for something. There was something I especially liked in that bowl, and it was the cherry. I heard somebody, it was the cherries. It was the cherries. And I'd put that cherry out to one side. I'd eat the rest of them, the pears, and all the, I'd, I'd eat that too. But I set that cherry over there. I'd eat on that cherry for the longest period of time. I'd chew the stem. Because it brought me pleasure. I set it apart because it brought me special pleasure. God chooses you to set you apart to bring Him special pleasure. And what is that pleasure? He says, I want to live in you. I want to make my dwelling place. I want to make my home in you. So I'm going to set you apart for my pleasure that I can come and live in you and I can live through you. I can not only live in you to do all the things I want to do within you, but I can live through you to touch this hurting and broken world through you. I've got a little bit of a problem though. Fred, you're a mess. How can I come and live in you and you're a mess? Well, it says that, that he, he saved us, he's chosen us for this purpose that we should be holy and without blame. What's it mean to be blameless? God comes into your heart and he cleans house. He covers you with the blood of Jesus Christ. He begins a process that will last your whole life long of taking out those things that are offensive to Him and putting things in there that will glorify Him and magnify Him. He, he's there making you His temple. The Scripture says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you? That's what the Scripture says. And you're not your own. You have been bought with a price. And so with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ, what has He done? He's chosen you. And He set you aside for His unique pleasure. And what brings Him pleasure? To live within you. And so He cleans you up. He changes your lifestyle to where He comfortably fits within you and lives 
through you. There's purpose there. There's purpose. So what do we learn today? Of all of these great treasures, the first treasure that I'm walking away from with here with today, that I'm ready to do a dance right now about, is God has chosen me from before the foundation of the world. He's chosen me. He's chosen me in Christ. That by drawing me and wooing me by His Holy Spirit, drawing me, I finally surrendered my life to Him. And the blood He shed on the cross covered my sin, removed my sin. And He set up residency in my heart. He chose me in Christ. Before He ever knew me. Before I was born. Before my mama was born. Before my grandmama was born. Before the foundation of the world. He looked way down here and said, here's one I'm going to, I want this one here. I'm going to make a means by which they can be saved. And our relationship can be so sweet. Walk out of here. I'm chosen. Walk out of here saying, I am holy. Not holier than anybody else, not that, but holy because of what holy means. God has chosen me to set me apart for His good pleasure. My life is to be lived out, bringing Him honor and glory, because that brings Him pleasure. My life is to be lived out, sharing what He's done in my life, because that brings Him pleasure. My life is lived out, sharing the gospel with other people, that they can know these great riches as well, because that brings Him pleasure. He set me apart. And he's made me blameless. He knew I couldn't be blameless all by myself. <laughs> I messed that up way too long ago. But in Christ, in the Holy One, in the Righteous One, in the Ancient of Days Himself, I am blameless before God in His love. Now, if y'all want to stay around, I can go further, but I, I think I better draw a line right here. <laughs> Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and live with this. Live with these first 14 verses. Get you out a piece of paper. I did it with all of our ministers and staff. Get out a piece of paper. And I want you to write across the top, what is true about me in Christ? What's true about me in Christ? And I want you to start reading that I'm blessed. Whew, am I blessed? With an inheritance innumerable. I'm chosen in Him. Made holy and blameless in Him. And then you keep on reading and you keep on working and you come up with the words that Holy Spirit gives you. And it's not, it's not arithmetic homework. I'm not wanting to check. I'm wanting you to worship with me. I'm wanting this to drive you humbly to your knees before God in worship. That you might fall more and more and more in love with Him. Will you do that with me? There may be someone here today that, that you've never come to that place in your life that you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to be your personal Lord and Savior. 
You've, you've never come to that place of confessing your sins to Him and allowing Him to come in and cleanse you of all of this. Let me tell you, today can be the day. And if you'll pray along with me in just a moment, I'll show you how to ask Him that. It's not a magic way, but it voices the words that the Scripture says we want to voice. And if you've already made that decision, will you take these next few moments to just praise and worship the Lord? Pray with me. If you've never come to that place in your life that you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to be the boss and the, the, the cleaner-upper in your life, and you want to do that now, then pray with me. You don't have to pray as loud as I'm praying out loud. That's not the, the volume isn't what gets it to heaven. It's the attitude of your heart. So you just play silently. Dear God, I confess to you, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to turn away from doing life my own way and begin to follow you. Come into my heart. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Make me one of your very own. I want you to be the boss, the king, the ruler of my life. I, I give you my life. I know the authority of the Word of God that He's never refused such a prayer and He's not going to refuse it today either. Call out to Him. And if you've done that, let me ask you to do one more thing. As we begin our invitation song, will you step out from where you are, come down, sit on the front row, and let Tony or Eric come and share with you a moment and show you in the Scriptures why all these things I've said are true, encourage you in the Lord. Angels are rejoicing because of the decision you've made. We want to rejoice too. Father God, I just want to praise you. I want to bless you that as a very lost and angry and rebellious teenage boy, you fixed it in such a way that I would hear the gospel. And when I heard the gospel, it pricked my heart. And I found what I'd been missing and what I longed for. Someone who loved me, and could make a practical difference in my life. And I rejoice in that day again as I sense as your word of God is going forth here and by media at home that people are hearing and responding in faith to the gospel. And as the angels rejoice, we want to rejoice too. So Father, as we sing this song, Anyone who's made this decision, will you encourage them to come forward and sit on this front row? Those at home, will you encourage them to give us a call and let us follow up with them on, or, or email us so we can get in touch with them online? Father, this is your time. May Jesus be magnified. In his name we pray. Amen. Will you stand please as Ed leads us in this song? Thy voice and the 
But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer, drawn to Thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Thank you for being here today, and I, I hope Holy Spirit has blessed your heart. Let me share that one of the things that we can do in worship, we not only worship in song and in prayer and in praise and in hearing His Word, we also worship by means of giving. And you'll find offering plates at all of the entrances and exits as you go out. If you don't find one, you grab one of those ushers or deacons. They'll, find, they'll get one for you. Thank you for having the privilege of giving. That's part of worship. We don't want to miss that. Father, go with us now. As we go out of here emboldened, we are chosen. You've set us aside. You've cleansed us for your purpose. Let us live that purpose out. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you today.